Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. I hope you've enjoyed the recent episodes where I've had the opportunity to interview various experts and to bring you their unique perspectives. In this episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Priyanka Venkatarman on the topic of change and transitions. In my practice, I've learned how difficult transitions can be across life. Any transition, whether it's a move, a job change, a relationship starting or ending, changes that are often positive, like a promotion or a new home, or those that come with grief, they can all be stressful. Our human brains like equilibrium, homeostasis, structure, and routine, and changes and transitions disrupt that. Two of the biggest changes are transitioning from pregnancy to postpartum and transitioning from maternity leave back to work. And these are the two that we'll focus on today. First, let me introduce you. Dr. Priyanka Venkataraman is a board-certified OBGYN, physician, life coach, and mother. She has been in traditional practice for 12 years and delivered thousands of babies. She has seen and helped many women through all sorts of illnesses during their lives and now helps them live their best life as a life coach. She is graduating from the Wayfinder Life Coach Training Program and is working on getting International Coaching Federation certification. She has created a space and community to help guide professional women through transitions in life, including careers, motherhood, and more, and helps them find their true path to a fulfilled and joyful life. Please enjoy my interview with Dr. Priyanka Venkataraman. Thank you so much, Priyanka, for joining me on this podcast today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is great. Absolutely. Why don't we kind of start at the beginning and share with us, share with the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your professional journey? Sure. So I've been in clinical medicine as an OBGYN for several years, and I found so much joy in helping women and helping them through their struggles, illnesses, deliveries, postpartum periods. And I myself went through a few transitions recently. So specifically motherhood, postpartum, juggling breastfeeding with an infant who has had intolerances to many formulas and that we tried um, so many different ones. And I still end up having to breastfeed him while working as a full-time OBGYN physician right through the pandemic. And one of the changes I had to make was when we lost our full-time childcare, required me to change my working hours. And we just couldn't find anything else in the pandemic. And that resulted in me seeking out coaching through a physician program that I went to. And that coaching program that it just opened doors to me, like it just opened everything. Like coaching was something I'd never even thought of before. And now that I've gone through it, I've never looked back. And I went into the program wishing to just work on myself, finding a balance for myself as I was struggling with all that I had to juggle, but, you know, being a mother and a demanding more than full-time career. And I left the program realizing the work I needed was more internal and that recognizing that the power of coaching is so available for everyone. And I truly believe everyone could use a coach to live their best lives and I'm better for it. So in traditional medicine, I felt like I had constraints of, you know, 
the time I could spend with the patient and getting them through what they needed to. You know, an example comes to mind. I'll go through it real quick. I recognized I did a lot of coaching with my patients. In fact, I had a, a new mom who'd come to me for a postpartum checkup and I was double booked and I had only like six, seven minutes with her. I called her at the end of the day after I was done with all my patients. I had spent a good hour coaching her because she was struggling so much. And even though it took away from the time I had with my child, even though I didn't get paid for this, that felt more fulfilling to me than breezing through, I don't know, several patients' exams and checkups. And I also got a lovely message from a family member of this new mother thanking me for taking that time to help her figure out the struggles. This memory came to me after I got through my coaching program and made me realize that that is where I felt more fulfilled and where I could serve more in ways that were helpful for myself too. So that led me to joining this Wayfinder Life Coach Training Program. And I graduate from that actually next week. And I've gone through several more transitions since then. As you said, as I told you recently, I just moved across country and it's been a breeze. Yes, it has its struggles. And it's just, I've learned in this program how to flourish through them. And I love that. Yeah. And in the meantime, just through being a physician and practicing clinical traditional medicine and through coaching, I've realized that I think I can integrate both of these through lifestyle and integrative medicine, which is next for me. So I'm also a professional student at heart and I love learning and wish to continue to improve on my own knowledge for myself and my clients and patients. And I hope to bring in integrative medicine and a more wholesome approach to caring for patients in the future, more, you know, preventative and lifestyle-based ideas than putting a Band-Aid on something, you know, that's not really treating the underlying cause. Absolutely. I think you and I definitely agree on on those kinds of approaches to, towards patients where it really is about looking at some of the, the underlying reasons and the prevention rather than, like you said, the, the Band-Aid approach. And it sounds like the reason that you're making this transition and congratulations, by the way, on your upcoming graduation from the, from the coaching course, the way you've made that transition is because kind of the traditional model doesn't afford you the opportunity to do some of these other tools and techniques, the, the kind of the one-on-one time, the preventative piece, all of those kinds of things, which, you know, in a six minute visit with a patient, how much can you possibly accomplish? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where I felt my struggle was and where I wasn't fulfilled, where I wasn't even getting what I wanted out of these visits. And I know the patients are absolutely not getting what I could offer them. And tell us a little bit before we kind of dive into a little bit more about, about some of your professional expertise and recommendations, a little bit more on like the personal professional level. What was that transition like to go from kind of the more, you know, this is the traditional conventional OBGYN job type of approach to what you're doing now? So honestly, I realized that I'd been doing all along, especially with the one-on-one interactions. That is where the conflict came up. I was spending the time these patients needed, whether it be my own time after patients or whether I was late for most people. (laughs) So, you know, before clinical medicine, I was practicing in a big group. I was part of nine other physicians. We had a full, you know, general OBGYN practice. So now I work on my own time. I work not for an organization, just for me by myself. <laughs> and I get to spend as much as or as little time as I want to. And that has been even more fulfilling to me besides seeing the changes that I can make in a personal level to each individual that they can then carry through for the rest of their lives. That's wonderful. 
And for all those listening who are sometimes maybe frustrated by their OBGYN being late, perhaps they were coaching their prior patient. Just something to keep in mind. (laughs) So one of your areas of expertise is transitions. And you shared some of the personal transitions you've gone through, you know, motherhood, moving, professionally speaking. Tell us a little bit more about kind of this, what does it mean to be an expert in transitions and how does this apply to pregnancy and postpartum? Absolutely. So the Wayfinder program, this is taught by Martha Beck, and the whole underlying premise of this program is that change is all around us. We live in a world where everything's changing and it's just, it's getting, it's happening more and more often now. And we have to deal with that change every day. So in this coaching program, we learn to guide people to make changes that they want to in their lives. And we also help them to cope with unexpected changes that may come up outside of our control. It's also about navigating those changes as an opportunity to do better and to be happier instead of thinking of these changes as happening to us. So let me tell you a little bit about this change cycle that she talks about. And she calls it a cycle, so it's circular. Martha talks about it as four parts, four boxes that she calls squares. So the top left square is square one. Then you have square two on the top right, square three on the bottom right, and then you end with square four on the bottom left, which then kind of leads back to square one. You're going clockwise. Correct. Yes. So the change cycle, before we get into each square, the change cycle gets triggered every time you hit a a change or a catalytic event that she called like a a perfect example would be pregnancy. So a delivery could be catalytic event to switch you into a new role. Getting married is another catalytic event. Going back to work can be another transition. So all of these, they start with some kind of catalytic event. And so, for example, for pregnancy, you've got your life nailed down. You have a routine with your life, with your career. You're all set up. And then you go ahead and make this change of adding another person into this. And it makes you unable to maintain your old identity. So that's what gets you to square one. So Martha uses this metaphor of caterpillars transitioning to butterflies. So first, the caterpillar goes into the chrysalis, which hardens. Then the body of the caterpillar dissolves into a liquid. So the square one is death and rebirth, where old identities dissolve and new ones are conceived. So you're no longer that happy-go-lucky adult. Now you have a tiny human being that depends on you. So people try to hold on to their past selves. They try to go back to doing things the way they used to be because that was comfortable. But only once you grieve the loss of your prior life, then can you move on to dreaming about what comes next and what that life can look like. So just like the caterpillar is protected under inside the chrysalis, one of the best ways to get through this square one is to cocoon ourselves. So that's where you stay home with your support person. After you go home from the hospital, you have your newborn, you're living in the now. You don't have too many outsiders coming at home. You're living minute by minute or hour to hour. You're kind of in survival mode and that's okay because that's temporary and that's what square one's for. You kind of also have to let go of any control you think you may have because let's face it, there's no control with a newborn in there. And the more you try to hold on to control, the more miserable you get. So it's kind of like letting go and dissolving just like that caterpillar, square one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Square two. So that's where you start dreaming and scheming. Caterpillar is still inside this little chrysalis and once the disillusion process is over, this triggers the imago cells inside the caterpillar. So imagine these cells, which are kind of like Legos. They used to be a caterpillar. 
And now you've broken down each Lego part. Now you use the same parts to create a butterfly. So the same way, you know, you are still protected inside your cocoon. You're still safe at home with your support and your newborn. But now you start developing new ideas about how to go forward after this major change. You start to imagine the world outside while you're still safe, surrounded by your support team. So that's square two. Moving on to square three. Martha called this the hero's saga. This is when the butterfly is fully formed. Now he has to pull himself out of the chrysalis. It's really difficult and arduous process. Everyone has their own struggles here. We have moms who are having difficulty breastfeeding. The infant may not lift John. The infant may not be gaining weight. They're not sleeping through the night. They're having difficulty finding childcare. They're having to do negotiations at work to find a schedule that works. They're talking, talking to people outside of work to figure out who's going to come support them if they have a nanny or daycare. And they have to figure out how to add the outside world back in to this cocoon that they first had. So this is hard work. Butterflies get exhausted trying to come out of that chrysalis. But if you cut it open for them, they die. The longer they work to get out, the stronger they are and the longer they survive in the outside world. So this is the theme of square three. It isn't easy, it's difficult, and it's meant to be. So when in square three we meet challenges, we encounter difficulties, you know, you never even knew there were. And that's okay because you just have to melt down your preconceptions, kind of sort of from square three, kind of go back into square one, work it around, get rid of all those preconceptions that didn't work, and using your new information, going through square two and back into square three again. So there's a lot of going from square one, two, and three, back to square one, two, and three, till you can get to square four, which is the promised land. That's when the caterpillar has become a butterfly, comes out, spreads its wings in the sun until they dry, and then can fly away and soar. So it's when things start to really go well again that we get into square one, square four, excuse me, and then that's when change comes right back again and we're back into square one. So you have to find this balance. So here's the example with a newborn. You found this balance for yourself. The infant may be finally giving you three-hour stretches at night. You found childcare, you set up work, you're heading back to work and you've been in a good routine at work and then change comes again. Either your infant falls ill or you get mastitis or your childcare falls through or some support system falls through. And that's when you start the chain cycle again. You're back at square one and you start over. <laughs> yeah. So, and so it sounds like one of the really important factors in all of this is that support, that cocoon. And as an aside, I just learned a lot about caterpillar transitions that I did not know before. Yes, absolutely. But it sounds like that, you know, that support system is really, really key because you emphasize that a few times. Yeah. So it's kind of like, Imagine that's one of the tools that we learn in the program to help guide people that you want that cocoon. You need that cocoon to support yourself in squares one and two before you can then move out to the external world in square three and four. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you learn to go this, go around this whole cycle and you can apply this to all changes that you come across in your life. And some people can also be in different squares at the same time for different parts of their lives. Professionally, they may be in square four but they just got divorced and their whole personal life could be in square one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you you alluded to this kind of work transition as one of these kind of major transitions that you can absolutely use this metaphor for. So tell us a little bit, because you, you focus on this transition back to work, coaching new moms back 
in through that transition. What makes this, you know, a particularly challenging transition and, and what advice might you have to those who are currently going through it? Yeah, yeah. What I've noticed, one of our biggest challenge a lot of times is being stuck in square one. We keep trying to go back to doing things like before, which won't work anymore. We may want to try to go back to hours that we used to keep, try to do projects like we used to, where we spent a lot more time and effort than we have anymore. Some are still breastfeeding, so have to, they have to try and figure out a new schedule that incorporates that. But the sooner we accept that we are no longer that person that we used to be, the quicker we can go through to the next square of figuring out what is this new reality going to look like with juggling these new changes and new things that we have to bring in. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that I really liked about this, this portrayal that you shared is in, in that cocoon, when it's the same genetic material, so to speak, that's really kind of Lego-like repositioning mm-hmm. itself from the caterpillar to, to the butterfly. And kind of makes me think a little bit about, you know, how we have that transition where we still retain all of our previous identities as, let's say, identities as attorney and as sister and as friends. Like we, all these identity has them where, and so we're adding another identity and that identity might be mother. And so how to reposition those Legos as we go from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Absolutely. Yeah. Finding that new balance of how things fit together, whatever it may be, are parts of how what we are and identities that we have and also how, you know, work and play and family and vacations figure into this new identity, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like one of the the pearls that you have for for those going through that transition back to work is really to not necessarily try to go back to old expectations, but to set new ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Accepting that there is no going back mm-hmm. is the biggest part of moving forward. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Let's emphasize that. Can you say it again? <laughs> Accepting that there's no going back can help us then move forward. Yeah. One of the other things that you mentioned that as a, a lifelong scholar is, you know, the next aspect of training that you're you're going to be focusing a little bit more on is lifestyle medicine and integrative medicine. And so what is the role of lifestyle medicine and mind-body connections in maintaining wellness during these various stages and transitions that we've been focusing quite a bit on? Yeah. So, you know, we have those lifestyle pillars. A lot of people talk about Lifestyle medicine having mainly these pillars that we try to work on for preventative medicine to help even cure or prevent illnesses that are coming up. So those would be nutrition, a whole plant-based diet, exercise, restorative sleep, stress management, social connections, and then staying away from substance use. A lot of navigating through transitions has to do with being mindful of being where we are and where we want to go. One of the big pieces of information that we stick with in our body is kind of like our thoughts and our mind and what society tells us to do, what we're meant to do, what we're supposed to do, what we should do. We're always missing a big picture of information from our bodies when we do this. For example, I do this all the time, not peeing when I really want to go. I'm like, oh, one more patient to see and then I'll go. And I brought that home with me. I'm folding laundry. I'm not seeing a patient. I'm folding laundry and thinking, oh, I'm just going to be done with this load. Then I'll go. (laughs) 
not eating when we want to. Mothers do it all the time. We want to feed our family and our kids first. So when we don't listen to ourselves and our body, we're losing that connection we have from our body. And that also applies with listening to our gut instinct, listening to our body's reaction, including like stress reaction. When we're hypervigilant or, or tighten our shoulders, our heart's racing, we're still going through uncomfortable situations because our mind tells us we're supposed to without listening into what our body's giving us. So the only way to really reconnect with our body is to stop, to stay still, to listen. And that's through meditation, through stillness practices and slowing down. It's not very easy for a mother, is it? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's not easy for, for those of for us a lot of us. either. Um, absolutely. It's a lot, lots of, lots of room for improvement there. And it really makes me think of, the, you know, there's the old adage, don't just sit there, do something. But what I, one thing I like to talk to a lot of my patients about is don't just do something, sit there. And, you know, what can, what can you do when you're sitting there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we only have this one life to live. We also just have this one body to live in. And it's important to nourish and cherish it, to listen to it. It's like, it's like the same idea that we have in airlines. You've got to put on your own oxygen mask first before helping others with theirs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in your coaching certification comes through the Wayfinder program, which you described for us. How does coaching differ from psychotherapy? And how does someone who's listening understand, do I look for a therapist? Do I look for a coach? Could they work together? How does that work? Yeah, so so the International Coaching Federation has a very specific definition of coaching. I was going to share that with you, and then I'll tell you what I feel like the difference is. So the definition of coaching through them is partnering with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires people to maximize their personal and professional potential. So to me, the difference between therapy and life coaching, therapy is to coaching just like a physician is to a personal trainer. So for example, you have a physician who you know is helping you a person who is not well to become healthy because they found some diseases. A personal trainer is helping people who are well to reach a higher state of performance. So the same way in therapy, a physician or a counselor is helping mentally unwell people to become healthy. Whereas a coach is someone is working with someone who's stable and healthy and helping them perform even higher in their minds and in their lives. So this Wayfinder program has given me tools to help guide people through these transitions by believing that each individual is their whole creative and resourceful selves. Any individual is an expert on their own lives and is responsible for their own choices. And my role is just to help them access their own wisdom, help them find their own way, their unique way forward towards filling their own fulfilled and joyful lives. I love that. That's great. And so share with us, share with listeners, if they want to, to work with you on some of these really important transitions, how do folks find you? And we'll be sure to include those links in the show notes and any other kind of pearls that you would like to share with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So I can be reached through my website, which is www.wayfindingmoms.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as Wayfinding Moms. 
And that's the best way. It has a direct link to a calendar and you can book a 30-minute consult with me immediately to see if we could be a right fit to work together. One of the things that I wanted to bring up actually is something that a lot of my clients have struggled with. And it's actually so funny. We all probably struggle with it as physicians as well. And it's this aspect of taking care of ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of my clients... That's a good one. Yeah. A lot of my clients have you know, this wish to have everything done perfectly. Wish to have a professional career that are dedicated, that they're dedicated to and show up for. They wish to have their families all set up, have a pristine and organized and clean house, homemade food for everyone. <laughs> they wish to provide the best care for their children. And a lot of the times, all these other priorities are above themselves and they don't really take care of them own, their own selves, which then leads to burnout and all this suffering. So externally, life looks great and perfect, but internally, we're all struggling to just get through and survive the day and the next and the next, and we just wake up and do it all over again. So this is what I've learned, like a lot of time I'm spending with my clients is about realizing that we, again, what I said, we first have to put on our own mock oxygen mask before helping any other people around us. Yeah. Always put on your own mask first. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode and for sharing your expertise with our listeners. Thank you. It's been a true pleasure. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.